Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Hey guys, what's going on, Fourth Down Experience fans? This is Brian Jackson along with Chris Hughesby, and we're stoked because we are reuniting with a special guest uh, from a year and a half ago, second time on the show, Super Bowl 54 champion, Harrison Bucker. How are you, bro? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brian. What's up, Harrison? Long time no speak. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Chris? You had a fantastic year, so congratulations on that. How's it feeling so far? Yeah. Appreciate it, and uh, you know, just really happy I could put three good years together. But more importantly than that, obviously, is winning the Super Bowl, which um, was truly amazing. You know, we uh, we made it to the AFC Championship game last year in 2018, and now to finally be able to win the AFC Championship game, kind of get um, not revenge, obviously, because we weren't paying the Patriots, but just to to write. To write that wrong, I guess, and win that game, get the Lamar Hunt Trophy, and then go to Miami uh, and win the Lombardi Trophy, win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, a lot of guys, they, they, they keep playing just to win the Super Bowl, and just very blessed and thankful that in my third season I could win one, and now we're just going to try to continue that and then keep this dynasty going, hopefully. Yeah, it's been awesome to see, and, and, and Super Bowl champion, you know, I was messaging you earlier on just, like, hearing that, just messaging it to you and just being like, dude, you're a Super Bowl champion. This is wild. You know, but like when you mentioned the word consistent, you know, you're 96 for 107, 89.7 percentile. It's like practically 90% field goals right now. That's, that's pretty impressive. You know, what, what do you think has been the one or two big factors in your success the last three years? Well, that, so, you know, when I first got in the league after my first season, I looked up, you know, what are the career field goal percentages? And my name wasn't on there. And then finally, after looking, it was like, okay, you have to have 100 attempts. So that was a big goal of mine to, you know, get up there. You know, the goal is obviously to be number one. But to be number two, right behind Justin Tucker, who's a great kicker that I look, looked up to a lot, you know, in high school and in college, um, you know, I'm just very fortunate to be there. And, you know, my number one goal is to be the most – accurate uh field goal kicker in the in the history of the nfl um and so now it's just trying to figure out what do i need to change what i need to work on to get to that point of near perfection but i do think the difference between a great kicker like you know justin tucker and maybe a kicker that has really good talent but you know isn't even in the top 30 on there I think a lot of it comes down to uh, to your operation, and I've been blessed to have a great operation, great snapper, great holder, Dustin Colquitt. Um, so that's one thing I'm very fortunate to have. And if you look at Tucker, he's had um, Cox and um, uh, Cook there for his whole career, which has been very helpful for him. And then on top of that, you just have to be a technician. You know, I loved the, the David Akers um, interview, and I really related to what he was saying about how, like, if you miss – it can't just be this, like, clueless, like, I don't know what happened. Like, you have to understand your form so well that you're able to fix it and it doesn't affect you for the next kick and the next game and the next game. So one thing that I do is I watch a ton of film. 
I think that's something I just picked up in Carolina. You know, all the specialists there watched a lot of their film. Um, and so I just kind of decided if, if I know what my technique looks like frame by frame at the start of training camp and, you know, at that point you want to be kicking well, obviously. If I know what my form looks like frame by frame at that point, then every game I should be making sure, you know, I'm doing the same thing I was in training camp because I did find in 2018 I went through – a two or three game stretch where it wasn't my greatest. You know, I missed two field goals against the Ravens in the 2018 and I felt like my technique was just doing stuff that I just completely didn't understand. I had to go back to the film and look at what I was doing earlier and try to make some changes before we got to the playoffs. Um, but I thought I did a really good job this year of not really hitting any, any low points um, with me personally and my kicking technique by referring to kind of what I was doing at the start of the year. Um, Cause I think, the difference between making and missing a kick, there's such a small margin that you have to be super analytical with your technique. And as soon as you see one thing that's going off, you got to fix it before it becomes a bigger problem. Because during the season, the last thing you want to be worrying about is having to big, make big changes to your technique. I mean, there's enough mental issues you got to deal with. Um, then, then you know something as basic as your technique. You have to be a technician. You got to be the master of, of what you're doing. Oh yeah, we 100% agree with that, you know, and, and collectively on Brian and I's end, that was probably our favorite interview with Fakers, you know, because on our end too, we're, Brian and I are both technicians in the way we try to coach up players as well, and so it's nice to see, you know, the science aspect kicking in, and obviously we all know the old adage, just be an athlete, just just kick it, get, get it out of your head, but, you know, I, I think when you practice on your own, that's when you think about it. You think about what your body's trying to do, your foot angle, follow through, all that type of stuff, the, the science behind it. And then obviously you hope that muscle memory kicks in and then you can apply it in real game situations. Completely. Like My, my goal is that no matter how big the situation is, I can almost be you know, out of my body, like almost like I'm outside of it watching in. And I'm not even really in control, but my body has done the same thing over and over that when I get in those big pressure situations, it's just easy and it just happens. And I mean, I've had this before. Sometimes I'm just surprised, like, wow, that ball flew really well right down the middle, you know, despite the nerves that I may have been feeling because I just, I had my technique down. Um, and on top, and I guess in addition to that is one, one reason why I'm super excited about the offseason is because that's when you can really analyze and maybe tweak some stuff and change some stuff if you want to because you have to go basically seven months of doing the same thing and it, it gets a little boring, you know, but um, I think that's what gives you the best results is um, just being confident in, in, in what you're doing and not changing anything during the season. Yeah, I love the mindset. Um, it's pretty cool to hear you say looking you were looking up to Justin Tucker and, and also – it's pretty cool to hear you, you know, state one of your goals of wanting to have that highest field goal percentage. And there are just so many good kickers in the league, including yourself, and it's pretty sweet to see you earn that Super Bowl, you know, ring already three years in. Um, talking about the Super Bowl, like, you know, to novice, I mean, we, we don't know what it's like. Maybe can you talk about the festivities leading up, you know, that week to the game? Maybe talk about the game. What were some high points for you, you know, looking back on the recent Super Bowl win? Well, I felt like I was in really good hands, and I think everyone on the team could agree with Coach Reed. As our head coach, he's super process-oriented. So throughout the – I mean, our weeks are the exact same from week to week. I know some coaches, if you win, they change stuff. If you lose, you know, Coach Reed is super consistent. And, you know, obviously every Super Bowl team has that 
challenge of now I'm going to spend a week away from our normal facilities trying to prepare for the game. So not only do I have the challenge on the football side of things, but then also the media stuff. Um, you know, I think we got there uh, Sunday or Monday. Can't really remember. But like one of the first days we got there, we had the big ceremony and the. Uh, I guess it was in the the Marlins new baseball stadium. And, you know, they had all the, the media there. And that was kind of like two, three hours, it felt like. Of, you know, some guys were on podiums. And then, uh, you know, other guys that were on podiums, we were just wandering around and getting interviewed. Um, you know, all types of questions were getting asked. And then beyond that one night, you know, it seemed like every day there was like a whole hour section just for media and for questions. So for me as a kicker, everyone's asking, you know, you know, you're a kicker that's going to come down to a game when he kicks. How do you feel? So the whole week, I'm just having to answer questions about a potential game when he kicks. You know, so that got a little tiring. I mean, during the week before a normal game, I try to just focus on what I can control, my technique and everything. So there is that element of now I have to just be thinking about the result of the game and how I'm going to kick rather than the process of, you know, how I want to put myself in the best situation uh, to make that kick. But luckily everything was scheduled in the morning so I could kind of knock it out and then the rest of the day just focus on football and, you know, watching film. Um, But yeah, so the media stuff, that was definitely tough. You know, it, it was cool, but I think if we had lost that game, you know, I don't think anybody would have good memories from doing all that. I think winning the game definitely helped, um, you know, kind of put into a better light all of the issues and stuff we ran into. But, um, yeah, probably that first media day in the Marlins Stadium, that was really cool. It just felt like we were on the opening night for the Olympics or something, walking out there in our, you know, all-white jumpsuits and, you know, all the cameras and, and bright lights were there. Um, but yeah, just a lot of media talking about the game and game when he kicks and everything. So I was glad we won the game and I think that stopped around Wednesday or Thursday. So we had a couple of days to just kind of focus on the game. And I will say that that's when it seemed a little easier when we were done with the media and I could just kind of shut down from social media and try to treat it just like any other game. You know, I talked to other coaches and players that had been in that Super Bowl game before, and they said, you know, once the the ball kicks off, once the game starts, it's just like any other game, and and I'd have to agree, once the game started, you know, it actually went by super fast, and I think that's because we were mentally focusing on it for two weeks leading up to it. Um, I guess the biggest difference, though, is, you know, at an AFC championship game or a regular season, you're not going to see David Beckham and Meek Mill and Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, on the sideline walking around in (laughs) A-Rod. That was definitely definitely different, you know, like A-Rod's right by my kicking net watching me, like, warm up. Um, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. How much visualization do you do, just in general, but maybe even leading up to the Super Bowl, where you maybe put your mind in the setting ahead of time and trying to visualize the potential kicks you might have? Yeah, I tried to. Uh, we were actually fortunate enough to go to Miami Stadium, like, on Wednesday and get a couple kicks in. And, you know, we were able to film it. So I was able to look at that. And um, I think the visualization is important. Um, I think one thing that's worked for me um, is just making the game seem like a bigger deal than it is. So when I visualize it, I I try to make it the most pressure-filled, you know, scenario I can. That way when I actually get out there, I'm like, oh, this isn't bad at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I can handle this. So I guess you get a little bit more anxious before the game starts but then once the game starts and you have a pressure kick you're like man this is nothing i can handle it um but i think it is super important to visualize i do a lot of it in practice you know from different spots like i'm not kicking a ball but i'm taking my steps and thinking about where i want to aim 
with a different wind. But as far as thinking about that specific stadium and making a big kick, um, I don't do a ton of that just because I found that if I just focus on the process and not the results of what I want to happen, um, I just feel better and, and more prepared, I guess. Awesome. Hey, just curious, Harrison. Um, I actually never asked this question before in the three years we've done this. Uh, when you give the spot to Colquitt, when you're about to kick a field goal or a 33-yard extra point, which is which is practically a field goal anyways, um, what, what do you – you know, some kickers are different. I'm just curious. What do you do? Like, if you give them the spot, you come back over. Are you particular about certain things? Just kind of talk about your process on on when you give the spot and going back and over and his fingers and where the spot's at. If he takes his hands off the ground, yada yada. I'm just kind of curious what you guys do. Yeah, and that's a great question because the more you play, the more the more you figure out different things like that and. And when you figure out the small stuff that goes into full operation, that can add, you know, an extra kick or two that you make during the season. You don't necessarily figure that stuff out when you're kicking by yourself on the sticks. Um, but yeah, so I'm a big believer of just having one finger down. I know some guys do two or a hand or whatever. And I just think as a holder, you should pick the smallest spot for you to have to hit because if you miss it, well, now you barely missed it. But if you have two fingers down or three fingers down and I'm a kicker, I'm looking at some massive spot that the ball could potentially go. I'd much rather have a smaller spot for that holder to aim for. Um, you know, if, if, and I think if you just aim small, you miss small. You know, we use that for kicking. We should use that for holding as well. Um, and I, I don't know the rules on this, but referees have never made an issue. Um, a lot of guys that I've seen will actually, you know, if we're on – a green field, which the majority of fields are green, obviously, except for what Boise State, they'll put down, um, you know, painted grass, so like white, white grass. If you put down a little bit, a little circle there, well, now instead of staring at the finger or anything, I guess the holder could have two fingers down, but the holder's going to hit that spot. And you're, as a kicker, you're able to just stare at that one small spot. Whereas if there's nothing there, when the holder picks up his left hand if you're a righty kicker if he picks up his left hand to catch the ball well if there's nothing on the ground you're just staring at nothing you know you're just having to imagine that there's something on the ground and imagine where the ball is going to go but if there's a little bit of something down there that helps a ton and um you know if for some reason you're not able to do that that's why i think kicking from the hash is really helpful if we always use the back right corner if it's the left hash the back left corner if it's the right hash and that's always where we want the spot to go and that's something that really helps me looking at that um so i'm a big advocate of that dustin always picks my spot you know i'm just so focused on kicking that i trust him to find wherever spot we need to go in the grass um and then i take my steps back and actually lately because we had so many windy games dustin and i are kind of like communicating a lot like we're communicating on the sideline before we go out there every quarter when we switch sides you know we'll say all right if we're going this way where do we want to aim okay cool then when we go out there we might need to change that or if i'm in my stance about to kick and the wind's picking up you know i could say something to him you know that that think that's pretty rare if that happens but i think the more communication the better you'd hate to miss a kick because you were on the wrong page with your holder about you know your aiming spot yeah i one thing that I guess bothers me personally when I played, and I, I had novice holders in the arena leagues. I had some good ones, but most were novice. I guess the thing that drove me nuts, I was fine with one finger or two fingers. That, that didn't. I love I love your take on it. Uh, just hearing it, that was awesome. I think it's great to, for college 
kickers to hear that too. Um, yeah. Guys that are getting ready for the ground. That was that was awesome. Um, I just I always hated when there was not a spot. You know, like if it was just on plain green grass or green turf, and there was no white line. Um, I hated when I already took my steps back, and if I was going over, they would like take their hand up and maybe lift their fingers or like, you know, wave at the lineman or something. And now they put their hand back down, and now I'm like, wait, did he put it back down on the spot or an inch forward or inch backward? And that would that would like freak me out internally, and I had to do my steps over. Like it would. Oh yeah. I don't want that to be. Now that was me personally. I've seen kickers kick just fine without it, but I just seen that's like a point of access for me. So I didn't know if like uh, if that's ever been discussed. Like if if you you know, or maybe that's not your preference. You know, I don't know. Well, if we didn't have a spot down on the ground, that would completely bother me. But if we had a spot down, Dustin's finger isn't actually on the spot. It's like right in front of it. So I'm not really looking at his finger anymore. I'm looking at the spot. Um, but that's how I kind of realized that guys were putting stuff on the ground because you see some guys, you know, the kicker is taking their steps and the holder is rubbing his hands, he's talking, and then puts his finger down. I'm like, well, how did the holder know where to put his finger back down if there wasn't something there, you know, to tell him where to put it? Um, so that's kind of what gave me the idea about putting something on the ground. Um, so I guess that kind of solved it. So I don't, as long as there's something on the ground, I don't mind what the holder does because at the end of the day, if he puts the ball right on that spot, that's all I care about, and I'm just staring at the spot. <laughs> right. One thing, uh, Harrison, um, just, just love looking at the pictures that you post just because there's so many attributes of the form, and I'm a big uh, leg tuck guy. I love the backswing, and, and there are several good kickers that don't have a big backswing at all as well. But, you know, you've been – you've worked with Jamie Cole. You've worked with other – uh, kicking gurus you've been around several phenomenal kickers such as yourself you know like one question i get asked a lot from guys is that don't have a leg tuck on the back end you know you, you know what i mean the, the nice v tuck yeah, on the yeah. back end you know one of your recent pictures of of your signing that you have coming up that you can also talk about later too um what would you, you know i have a couple things that i do i'm just curious what would you tell a young kicker to, to help develop a backswing well, that's interesting because I think that was something that, well, I guess when I was coming down at a sharp angle, that's something that I really didn't like. And when I watched Graham Gano, it looked like his back swing was almost like straight back. So like his back foot wasn't getting above his waist. And I guess in that picture, I'm looking at it now, it looks like my, uh, my foot is about at where my waist is, which is good. But like in 2017, my rookie year and in college, my swing was very much like vertical. Like my, my heel was almost like in the middle of my back and then coming at this sharp angle to the ball. And I think that's why I hit a lot of balls that were super thin. You know, they were very high and spinning a ton. That's something that I still work on getting out of my game. But that photo, it, it did look like I had a really nice kind of horizontal back swing going towards the ball. So for me, that's been something that I've been trying to reduce a little bit and not make so extreme because when it is coming at that hard angle towards the ground, I felt like it was adding a lot of inconsistency. Um, and that horizontal kind of uh, plane was much more helpful, if that makes any sense. But I'm a big uh, believer in, in stretching, so I had a lot of back issues. I wasn't that flexible 
in high school and then I just decided maybe junior year or something I just I took a hot shower every night and then stretched for 15 20 minutes and going into college I just had this great base flexibility that from there you know now I only really stretch just for recovery if my legs are sore before I kick I just do a dynamic warm-up but I really don't do any stretching now because I have this great base and foundation of flexibility that it's just like I don't need to lose it um so that would probably really help for guys, and that'd probably be my biggest uh, recommendation: is make sure you have the mobility in your hips to be able to do that, because that's just going to add more power. You know, the more momentum you can get into that hip um, ball, and the more you can involve your hip um, into your kick. Right. Uh, real quick, Harrison, looking at your Instagram, and for those that are listening, it's, it's butt kicker seven. It's pretty easy. Um, this is an iconic photo. It's your sixth photo in your gallery. I mean, like, it has, like, 40,000 likes. It's just, talk about this photo. I mean, anything you want, like, maybe even the actual kick. This photo is, like, iconic. Do you want me to talk about the good or the bad? <laughs> uh, all of it. Yeah. Let's be raw. I, think, I mean, one thing for me, I just look at the bad and everything, at least with my kicking form, and one thing I hate is if you zoom in, you see the laces from my... So, like, if you're the kicker, those laces are at, what, 9 o'clock? So yeah. I would get those facing straight up. And I think that's just because my toe's in front of my heel. So when I make contact, the ball is spinning counterclockwise a little bit. And I think that just accentuates your draw. You know, your kick... If, if you're doing that, which I have a draw, and I almost have to play it sometimes... That's one thing I got to get out of my game, but that ball's spinning. But the good is my head staying down, and that's one thing that I was really focusing on for this game to not bring my head up, to not worry about if that ball went in. I'm just going to focus on good ball contact, coming up off my foot, and then I'll look up. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I've, I've had so many extra points where I don't think I'm mentally locked in. And I'm not focused on ball contact. I'm not focused on my technique. And my head's coming up early. I'm not finishing the kick, and I pull it left. You know, so that game, I was just trying to swing nice and easy, not try to kill it, don't try to baby it, and just trust my technique. So I'm really happy about that. And then, obviously, I had the height to go over anybody's hands walking it. And it looks like my toe's pointed, which I like sometimes. My toe tends to come up, which means I'm not getting a good ankle lock. Um but yeah, I, I like that a lot. I, I think I um, I kept my hips going downfield instead of letting them open up. Um, but yeah, this was a sweet photo that you know most photographers aren't getting, so I was super glad they were able to get this. Is it framed yet? You got it framed somewhere. No, it's not framed. So we got we got a house that we're kind of moving into this all season, but I'll have to get it put up in the basement. I mean, it's a sweet photo. Yeah, no doubt. I'm curious, going back to some topic trends that were going on in social media. In your operation for field goals, how much does Winchester try to get laces up for you guys every time on the snap? Oh, I mean, every time, and I'm, I'm not shy about telling him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll just say, you know, like, James, did you notice, like, that last practice, they were kind of going a little left or a little right, and, you know, he's he's been great about that. He's been focusing, focusing in on it, and the, really the second half of the season, there was, like, no variance. I mean, it was just very small variance with, with the laces. I mean, it was, if you want the laces to be at 12 o'clock, he was hitting either 11 or 1 o'clock. You know, Dustin barely had to do any work as far as getting the laces around. He could just focus on the lean. So, 
that's one of those things that the media, you know, nobody notices, but obviously the, the holder and the kicker, we notice when James is just, you know, balling out and hitting perfect laces every time. And that allows me to see a still ball for longer because Dustin's not having to move it around. Um, so I guess that's one thing I learned in the NFL. I mean, that's expected from NFL snappers, and that just makes my life a lot easier. Um, and it kind of goes unnoticed from a lot of people, but, you know, that's he's a big the snapper and the holder are huge reasons for any kicker's success. So that's why if you're a kicker and you're making kicks, you got to give credit to to your operation for helping you out. Yeah. So what Chris was alluding to is is a healthy debate uh, on the duties and responsibilities of, of each man of the three man squad there, and um, more lean towards more folks have leaned toward leaning towards what you alluded to that. It appears that what I'm hearing from you say is that, you know, it's the expectation of the long sniper to get the laces out on the field goal snap. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it probably varies based on the special teams coach and the long snapper. Um, but, you know, I know James takes a lot of pride in it. And, um, right. you know, Justin and I will we'll mention it. So I guess if you're in high school or college, you know, is that on you? Is that an expectation for you to do that? I just think as a kicker, when you miss, it's all put on you. So if right. you're going to take the complete blame for that, you should try to, you know, respectfully and politely do everything you can to make sure the people that are going to affect whether you make or miss this kick are performing at a high level. You know, so that's kind of my view on it. You know, I don't think you should ever like be yelling at them for it because at the end of the day, they're not getting recognized for succeeding and doing well in that area. So it's hard when they have like no motivation. So, I mean, you kind of got to be creative, I guess, in the high school and college level when maybe coaches don't care as much about it to motivate your long snapper. But um, in the NFL, if you're hitting laces back or even if you're hitting the laces at, you know, nine o'clock or three o'clock, you know, coaches are noticing that special teams coaches are. Well, that's what brought this, the debate up that we had uh, a few weeks ago with, with some folks. And, and I just have noticed, not necessarily with your operation, but I've just noticed a lot of laces back or a lot of laces back left and back right in the NFL. And, you know, and, and then so it's brought up like, okay, is, is that on the snapper or is that on the holder? You know, kicker's got to make the kick, just like you said. I mean, it's all on the kicker anyways. You know, I, I guess for me... And like you, you also mentioned too, the special teams coach. So, what what are his expectations too? You know, and so I just I, I find it to be an interesting debate because um, I think it could, it could go both ways. I mean, Pat McAfee has said several times, you know, that the snapper it's his job to get the laces out, and if, you know, or or at least a, a little slight quarter left, quarter right turn, but nothing nothing sideways, nothing nothing back. And then I guess my personal take is if I'm the holder, my job is to catch the ball clean, put it on the spot, and get the laces out. You know, the kicker has to make the kick. And so I guess for the snapper, for me personally, I guess if I was the special teams coach, maybe 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 this is at the high school, college level, maybe it's not the NFL because you have the 32 best guys. You know, I would, I would want to make sure that the speed is, is the appropriate speed. The location needs to be dead on. And you need a block. So, like, you know, my, my thing is, like, you know, it'd be nice to get the laces out. But, you know, I, I don't know if, it, if that varies at different levels. You know, maybe maybe that's more for high school and, and maybe college. And maybe the NFL, 
maybe that should be the expectation. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on what the special teams coach values. I know, gotcha. you know a lot of special teams coach value the um, protection ability and coverage ability of a long snapper on punts. So if that's great, well, the special teams coach will probably accept if the field goal snaps maybe aren't the best, you know, especially if it's an, an older school special teams coach, they might have the opinion that, you know, the kicker's got to make it regardless. Um, um, and I was going to say, Pat McAfee, I think, has done a great job for the brand, you know, for kickers, punters, long snappers, by posting those videos when kickers miss kicks and he's explaining all that goes into a missed kick, how it's more than just on the kicker uh, for missing that. Um, but I, I would say that the location of a short snap is the most important thing. I mean, I'd rather, you wouldn't want to have a crazy high or whatever snap that's perfect laces. That, that makes it a lot harder than just a perfect snap. If it's bad laces, if laces are straight back, I would just rather the laces stay there. I'd rather have a steel ball and know where the laces are than a ball that's spinning while I'm right about to make contact. Because <laughs> you know, yep. I don't know what's yep. going to happen. And yep. that's one thing that the veteran kickers have really mastered. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember what game. I think it was the Texans or the Titans. I had an extra point that was laces back, and I made it, and I was super ecstatic because that's something that oh, – yeah. Justin and I have been working on. I know, Brian, you talked about, I don't know if I heard this podcast or Instagram post, but you talked about how you would practice off the sticks with the laces, you know, every which way. And that's something that Dustin and I would do. I'd say, Dustin, just have the ball spinning, have the ball, have the laces back. Like, try to make me miss these kicks. And we just get a kick a couple. And then that way, when we had that the snap in the game, when it, it was, the laces weren't back. The laces were just, like, hidden and Dustin didn't know which way to go, and it just kind of got to where the laces were going back, and he just left it there, and I was able to make the kick, and I was just so happy that we had been practicing that. Um, because the veteran kickers, you know, Mason Crosby is one of those kickers where in warm-ups I'm watching him, and he's just smoking 50 yarders with laces back. You know, I think he probably just told, told JK, don't move the laces all don't move the laces wherever they are, just leave them. And he's just not changing his form at all and banging them, whereas a younger kicker like myself, and I'm hoping to get out of this, but you see those laces and then you just freak out and change your form or whatever, and then you're hitting a, a bad ball that would miss regardless of where those laces are. I just love how like transparent and vulnerable you're being right now because like, these young kickers that are listening to this need to hear it. I mean, you're 24, you're Super Bowl champion, and you're just addressing some of your fears is what I'm hearing. You know, you're mastering some of your fears, and people may think, like, you got it, you got it down pat. You're a Super Bowl champ, man. You're 34 for 38 on the year, and you're sitting here talking about things that you still need to work on as a pro. And that's that's huge. It's so cool to hear that. Man, I, I watch these XFL kickers. I watch college kickers. I'm like, man, I wish my form looked like that. You know, I always am looking and seeing what, how can I improve. You know, thankfully the balls are going through, but I don't know. There, there's always ways to improve, and there are so many good kickers out there with great form, hitting great balls. You know, the difference between a great kicker having a great career and a great kicker not having a good career is just so small, and that's kind of what I feel like I've done a good job of focusing on and figuring out how can I make that one, two, three extra balls go in that for other kickers that maybe have better talent, better technique than me, they're not going in for them. You know, and I just try to figure that out, and it goes back to being a technician and just trying to find every advantage you can. Yeah, you're, you're giving a lot of diamonds 
right now and a lot of a lot of really good nuggets for the fourth down brand you know for the brand um one more question i have this is a sidebar question i've never asked this um one thing well one comment i have and then a question because we have a lot of free agents that ask chris and i um i love your agent like, i've never met him but we've talked on the phone a couple times i love his support for you just externally and social media his name's jordan um just a quick plug to him. You know, if, did you want to say a couple of things about her, uh, about Jordan? Because I, 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 I like him. He's great. Oh, yeah. Jordan's been great. Um, you know, Jordan, he saw me in college, and he, he believed in me. You know, I didn't have a great college career. Um, definitely not. I mean, I had a big kick my sophomore year, and then senior year, that's when I kind of had good, decent stats. And then, thankfully, I got to go to the combine. But, you know, I definitely was confident in myself, and I really appreciated the fact that um, he believed in what I was saying. I think he saw the talent that I had, the potential. He saw the work ethic, and um, you know he was willing to to be my agent. You know, I, I talked to some guys that were coming out that had tons of agents hitting them up. You know, I had three total agents. You know, which you know. I'm, I'm just blessed to have that many agents hit me up, but, you know, I, I knew that I was good enough to be in the NFL. I just needed the opportunity, um, and, you know, I, I thankfully got to go to the Combine, which I was able to do well at, and then go to the Panthers and be that training camp and then get to the Chiefs, but I really appreciate the fact that Dust, um, sorry, Jordan believed in me, gave me that opportunity, and then from there, we've just built a great relationship. We have a lot of great conversations that I think go beyond you know, the normal agent um, and client uh, relationship, a lot of mentality stuff. Um, and he's just really believed in me, and he's helped me a lot with, uh, you know, my brand and all that's been going on with Butt Kicker. So very thankful for him, and we got a great relationship. So, so going to free agents that maybe aren't having a lot of agents hit them up, you know, what would you say to them? You know, what – is there – are there – is there a database? You know, I know Chris and I have the, the generic link that shows every single agent that's, you know, uh, certified. But, you know, what would you recommend to a college senior that maybe at a D3 school did really well, but maybe just didn't get good enough where he's got agents knocking on his door? What would you tell that guy? Well, I'm not too familiar with all the agent services, but it can't hurt to just, you know, shoot your shot, hit up a couple um, agents or as many as you can really and see if they'll sit down and, and hear you out um, and hopefully they'll be willing to get hired by you because you are the boss but it does help for the agent to I guess be kind of an advocate for you but then you see guys like you know Thomas Morstead and Richard Sherman that don't even have agents and you're like well could that be possible for a free agent guys I don't know if those guys started with an agent and then later dropped them it's interesting um, but I think the agents handle a lot of stuff behind the scenes that would just be very difficult for a college kid, free agent guy to handle coming out when they're just so focused on training and, um, you know, kicking to the best of their ability. It's a lot to have to do phone calls with scouts and GMs and coaches and all that stuff. So I don't know, but I, I will say this, that if you expect your agent to get you a job, it's not going to happen. My mentality with Jordan was always, um, you know, just give me an opportunity, get me in front of somebody, and then I'll let my uh, my skills show that. I think a lot of guys, they, they blame their agents for not getting a job. And it's like, you know, most agents are going to get you an opportunity. What are you going to do with that? 
Mm-hmm. Real quick on that, just spinning off on you, Harrison. I mean, I, I actually, when you said you're the boss, you're right. You are the boss. I mean, I when I came out and had rookie camp with the Bears, um, when I was trying to get in the Reno world back when the Reno was really prime, uh, I found out that through different coaches and some scouts that the agent that I signed with had a really bad reputation. And I, I, I had no clue. I had no idea. And it was actually hurting me. And so I, my, I talked to my parents. I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do. And my parents were like, my mom was like, you can fire him. You hired him. And I'm like, well, how are we going to do it? Just send a fax. I'm like, we're just going to fax him that you're fired? She was like, yeah. She like, <laughs> typed it up for me and everything. It was literally like, dear blank, we are terminating you. <laughs> it was a one sentence, sincerely, Brian Jackson. And I like faxed him. Like at seven or eight in the morning, something like that, and he was blowing up my phone the whole day. And yeah, I just remember being like a twenty-three-year-old, like scared to death. Like I, I had no, I didn't know what to do. I don't think I've told you that story, Chris. I, I've never heard that all these years. Yeah, yeah, I fired him. I fired an agent. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, um, it sounds bad. I'm not trying to like flex or anything. I'm just saying, like, you know, you can you can be the master of your domain. It sounds like you know. Yeah, and that, that's a tough concept to wrap your head around because you're this guy right out of college. You most likely have no money or you're in debt, and you're going to hire an older guy, probably 10, 20 years older than you, you know, who's going to work for you. And, yeah, you can terminate and fire them whenever you want. And I think that's something that um, I guess that's part of growing up, and you just got to understand your worth and that this agent better be representing you to the best of their ability. And I guess that's one thing I would say is super important that when you talk to your agent or you're trying to hire somebody, the agent has to speak your language because if they're not on the same page with with who you are and what you want, how are they going to share that with these coaches and GMs and everybody? You know, and that's one thing I thought uh, Jordan and I really hit it off. I thought he really understood me and could kind of sell me um, and who I am to all of the, the rest of the league. So that is super important with talking with your agent, you know, hopefully they understand you and can sell you really well. Yeah, 100% agree. Because <laughs> I felt, I had an agent at one point, and I wasn't sure that we were ever, you know, we were on the same page at times, but that was, again, I was kind of naive, didn't really know what to do, so I wish I, I wish I had conversations like this where you could learn from. So, uh, Harrison, as we just wrap this up, I just got two fun questions about the Super Bowl for you. By the way, I wear your butt kicker socks at every camp that we run. It's kind of become a superstition for me. I know Brian. Brian always sees it when, when we prep for a camp, but I wear them at every yeah, camp. And Corbin wears your bucket or shirt probably once a week to bed. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so, That's awesome. It, it's like down to his like, knees, but uh, yeah. it's, it's cute. He just wears a t-shirt, so it's hilarious. That's awesome. Nice. So, all right, going back to Super Bowl, uh, any fun questions that you fielded during the interview process for Media Day? Or kind of crazy fun. questions, because sometimes they get out there. Yeah, one of them was pretty crazy, and I didn't answer it. It was like, what's the like most darkest secret about yourself oh that you're willing to share with the world? Oh, you know, my like, gosh. I, I just told him, you know, I'm, I'm married with a kid. I'm settled down. The days are behind me. Uh, I got nothing for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that is ballsy to ask. That is ballsy to ask. I'm sure no one answered that question. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so going back to your Super Bowl win, you basically had a video that went viral, and you hear these comments from almost every athlete that has a kid, but what was that experience like for you to celebrate on the largest stage with your son? 
that was amazing because the AFC Championship game, you know, I was so excited we won. I was just kind of having flashbacks to New England in 2018 when we thought we won, and then we saw the flag on the field, and, you know, obviously we lost that game. So we won the game, and then I was celebrating with my teammates. But then when I saw my wife and then my son, that's when the tears started coming. It was just so emotional for me, and I was able to celebrate with them on the field. But then on the podium, you know, I think it was just – it was Kelsey, Patrick, and Tyron were up there. But then for the Super Bowl – it wasn't quite as emotional for some reason. I think just because we had spent so long preparing for this game, I think the mentality was just, you know, we're going to win this game. We just better not lose it. So when we won it, it was like, all right, nice. We, we finished the job, you know. We finished the task. So I saw everyone. I saw my wife. I saw my parents were there. And then they were letting everybody up on the podium. So I immediately, you know, grabbed him. And went, we went out there. We weren't in the center or anything. And, you know, he's obviously up way past his bedtime. You know, it's 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, you know, he was just kind of like in this zombie mode a little bit. So I was just trying to make noises to, to make him laugh. And, you know, I was like off to, off to the side. I thought, you know, no cameras would be on me or anything. And I think my wife got some photos or, or videos of it. And the next thing I know, you know, the, the, the Chiefs are posting the video. The NFL is posting the video. And now it just went viral. But <laughs> that's going to be awesome because – my son, he's going to be able to look back on that. And you see, you know, Drew Brees kind of had that moment with kids. You see so many guys that won the Super Bowl with young kids that had that moment, and now their kids are grown up. It's just cool to see that. And, you know, I know I'll always look back at that moment with, with him and just see how much he's changed and I've changed and how, how far we've come, I guess, from winning Super Bowl 54. But hopefully we have a, a couple more Super Bowls to do that. Um, with and hopefully I got more kids to do that with but it was an awesome experience and you know that's what it's all about you know football is so important to me but to be able to share it with my family and my son was just was huge you know it was amazing nice. it was a fantastic moment yeah, I loved it yeah all right our capstone question you've answered this two years ago now you've been in the league for three years what are your five favorite stadium experiences in the NFL so far five favorite stadium experiences um, five favorite. I can think of my five worst. I guess what was cool. <laughs> We've had guys say that they're the three, the three least favorite. <laughs> Do you want to throw some of those out there? The Browns. I hated the Browns. I didn't like their field. It was super windy. Did not like that at all. The Bears was not a fan of their field, and it actually wasn't that windy for our game. Just not a fan of the field and everything. Um, I really actually like playing at the Patriots. You know, I've had really good games there. I like kicking on the turf. When it gets super cold, um, you know, December, January, February, I just really prefer kicking on um, the turf. You know, obviously, if it was on grass, I prefer Bermuda, but like at Arrowhead, it starts to turn. They put the ride down. It's just there's a lot of sand and everything. It's the best you can do for the weather, and they do a great job. But when it gets cold like that, probably just the turf. So um, the Patriots was really cool. Um, I like the Texans. I think I've, I mentioned that last time. Texans are still going to be up there. They just they did a cool job dimming all of the lights, so it just it, you almost couldn't even see the fans. Maybe the lower level, it was just completely dark except for the field. Wow, nice. Um, not going to go with the Mexico City soccer stadium. That didn't even feel like a football game. That was like the lighting was really weird. The field. I actually had a kickoff where I, like there was this massive basketball size divot after a kickoff, and I fell down and everything. It, that field was, was super rough. Um, Cowboys was pretty cool, too. I know it's not outdoors, but it just seemed like we were like, uh, you know, if any Star Wars fans, like the, the big Senate meeting room, you know. That's <laughs> kind of what yeah, it was like. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I guess I'm naming a bunch of turf fields because turf's consistent. You know what you're going to get. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, probably those three. Nice. Well, Harrison, man, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us. We just love you know talking with you, catching up with you, seeing all your success. And, man, you just gave a lot of really good nuggets for the guys and everyone that's in the fourth down experience and for the brand we really appreciate you man and congrats again on on super bowl champion yeah thank you i I hope it helped i really appreciate y'all doing a a kicking podcast because where else do you look to find information like this on specialists you know it's hard to to find information i think we just keep making you know kickers putters long snappers keep getting better and better i think that's good for the game so thanks for having me i really enjoyed it appreciate it thanks harrison we'll be in touch and have a fun off season i appreciate it see you guys yep Harrison Bucker, Super Bowl champ. He's the man. That was fun. Going back to how we finished that call, it's been fun to stay in touch with him over the last three years. And again, like you said, watch his success. You know, when you start to develop that relationship, you pay a little bit more attention when those guys kick and when those videos come up on social media. And it's really cool to see his success. And loved, again, that he talks about always trying to improve. And, you know, you're not just perfect now that you made it to the NFL. And Obviously love that he enjoys listening to our podcast and learning from that too. I think it's, that was awesome. I think it's a good sign that you can always get better and always learn from somebody else. I could have easily asked him at least 10 more questions about kicking. Yeah. I mean, he was just delivering phenomenal answers and just great perspective of just his viewpoint and what he's learned and what he's doing. You know, you guys make sure to follow him, Kicker 7 on social media. He's, he's phenomenal. Um, I think he's having a signing coming up. Uh, just check out his Instagram. Um, I know that's going to be uh, probably, you know, where he's located at. Uh, but um, it has his email in the caption. So um, I know him and his agent do a phenomenal job of, of staying connected with fans and, and people that follow him. So, you know, kickers, I mean, shoot your shot. Send him a DM. Ask, ask about kicking technique. He may answer. Who knows? I don't know. But he gave some very valuable information here on the podcast and so we really appreciate that yep well all right guys thanks again for listening another great gem another one to learn from we got a few more lined up here so stay tuned and we'll see you next week peace thank you for listening to the fourth down experience be sure to subscribe on itunes follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at fourth down experience